0: Proverbs chapter number 4, and I'm going to read the 18th verse. Proverbs chapter number 4 and the 18th verse. And if you have a device and you can locate it, congratulations. If you have a Bible and you can turn in it, congratulations. If you have none of the above, we have a big screen. If you are blind, we will pray for you. But i want you to see these words proverbs chapter number four and verse 18. how many of you have sight of it say amen. Amen. amen let's read but the path of the just and i'm reading from the authorized version of the king james good old shakespearean english but the path of the just is as the shining light that shineth more and more unto the perfect day. But the path of the just is as the shining light that shineth more and more unto the perfect day. Verse 19, the way of the wicked is as darkness they know not at what they stumble. And so, I'm going to speak into our collective destiny from the subject, the pathway of purpose, the pathway of purpose. And sweet Holy Spirit of the living God, we invite you to reign on us now, to reign in us now, to open the eyes of our understanding, to help us to see more clearly than ever before, to bless us with wisdom and revelation even an empowerment fuel for our faith to take us into this historic and prophetic year with victory and with a vehicle that can take us from where we are to where you dreamed and destined us to be be glorified magnified celebrated in the word and this is our prayer in jesus christ's name and all the saints that god said "Amen." amen amen thank you awesome band, awesome. God uses both dreams and disasters to move us in the direction of our destiny. God uses both dreams and disasters to move us in the direction of our destiny. I did not say that God orchestrates disaster. I did not say that God causes disaster, but God uses both our dreams and our disasters to move us in the direction of our destiny. And if you look back over your life, you will notice a catalogue of dreams and disasters. Yes you will. You are at times living the dream or pursuing the dream, and you are at other times, Surviving disaster and trying to pick up the broken pieces. And God uses them both to move us in the direction of our destiny. Our dreams pull us whilst our disasters push us. Our dreams pull us whilst our disasters push us. We get to decide in which direction we are pulled or pushed. Because of every pull and every push, we have a choice. We can choose to get better, or we can choose to become bitter. We can choose to keep going, or we can retreat and decide to go back. But God uses both. And perhaps there is no more clearer illustration of the fact that God uses both than the story of Joseph in the Genesis. God used his dream to move him in the direction of his destiny. But dreams were not enough. Because you can live out your whole life with a dream that you never pursue, put into motion, pay the price, do what needs to be done to realize it. It was a combination of dreams and disasters that moved Joseph in the direction of his destiny. And can I for a moment talk about destiny Big word in Christian vocabulary right now. But it is linked to the idea, the theological idea of predestination. Predestination. I believe in predestination. Yes, I do. But I don't believe that God predetermines some to go to heaven and others to go to hell. I don't believe that. Right? But I do believe that God is very intentional, deliberate, purposeful... When it comes to your arrival on planet Earth, I believe that God has already encoded into your spiritual essence a direction, a gift set, uh, a set of values and priorities that you discover as you grow. I call it your spiritual intelligence. And I believe that God has purpose and plan for your life. And whatever God's plan for your life is, it is predetermined. As in Jeremiah 1, before I formed you in the belly, I knew you. Before you came out of the womb, I sanctified and ordained you a prophet to the nations. I had a plan for you before your father met your mother. God has plans for us. I think of that as predestination. And in this respect, destiny is something I discover, not something I decide. My predetermined purpose is something I discover as I go. As I what? As I go. Not as I stay and wait. Not as I pray and contemplate. Not as I think about it, write it down, But as I go, because God is the God of movement, Mm -hmm. he's the God of movement, and he says, go, and I will show you. There is a principle, there is an as you go principle in the Bible. It is where God says to Abraham, get up, get out, go to a place that I will afterward show you. Well, typically, if I'm going to go to a place, you need to give me an address, a postcode, tell me where I'm going. God says, no, I'm not going to show you so that you go. I'm, you're going to go, and then I'm going to show you. And I have lived long enough to be grateful for the fact that God doesn't show us everything at the, at the beginning. Because if he showed me everything at the beginning... I would have contended with him and said, God, you made a mistake selecting me for that. Because I ain't qualified for that. I don't have any background in that. I don't particularly have a skill set for that. And I definitely don't have the character or the patience for that. So he'll never show you that at the beginning. You go and he'll show you. He said to ten lepers, go show yourself to the priests. And only as you go does the leprosy disappear. He says, pour the water into into the jugs. And as they poured, it became wine. There are certain things that won't happen until you go. There are things you'll never know until you go. So for those who are waiting for absolute clarity. You're going to be stagnant for a very long time. Because if you observe the wind, you will not sow. You observe the clouds, you're not going to reap, says one particular verse if you're waiting for an ideal set of circumstances you'll be waiting for a very long time because guess what something's always up i have lived long enough to know that putting your dreams on hold is a mistake waiting for a gap in your madness You know, everything's around me is mad, but once this stops, once that calms down, and once we get this sorted out, then I can go. No, 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 you have to go. Because it's not important that you get it right. It's important that you get it going. Because some things will never be right until you get going. I say it to business owners all the time. Starting a business is like learning to walk. You are going to fall. Get used to it. (laughs) Look at me in that tone of voice. Look at me in that accent. It's like learning to walk. You're going to stand. And you're going to wobble. And you're going to fall. And you're going to get back up. And you're going to wobble and you're going to fall. And you're going to get back up and you're going to take one step and then you're going to fall. And then you're going to get back up and you're going to take another step. But eventually, with each of these attempts, you are developing muscles. And you are programming your brain to know what happens if you lean too far this side and if you lean too far that side. You're developing a sense of balance. Eventually, you can take those steps by yourself. And you'll only take a few and then you'll rest. And then eventually, you're running all over the house. And then eventually, mommy and daddy become climbing frames and you're climbing all over them. You know what I'm getting ready, get ready, get ready. You're climbing all over them. All right? Then we can't sit you down. That's pretty much what starting anything is like. You are going to learn it as you go, but if the baby ever reached the conclusion that, look, until I know exactly how to balance and exactly how to walk, and until I know that I can walk without falling down, I'm just going to lie down. You're going to end up a big baby, and I think we got too many big babies in the church today big babies in the church today who are not going to get up and go not going to get up and go until you have absolute certainty that you'll never be embarrassed you'll never make a mistake, you're never going to fall, no one's ever going to laugh, no one's ever going to criticize can I tell you, welcome to the world of the achiever folks will criticize, some will laugh, you'll win some, you'll lose some you'll make some mistakes as you go you'll stumble, you'll fall you'll even hurt yourself, but you're going to have to get back up and get going again and can I hear a big amen from someone who knows what I'm talking about? Yeah. Let me just go, I'll show you. So God uses dreams and he uses disasters to move us in the direction of our destiny. Listen carefully to what I said. Move us in the direction which suggests a journey and a path. A journey and a path. God uses dreams and disasters to put us on a path. And once you say yes to Christ, you have actually entered a path. And once you say yes to your revealed destiny... You have said yes to a path. When God called me to preach, I was at a very ripe age, something like 16 years old. And I know it's kind of weird and rare today for a 16 year old to say God has called me to preach. Or for a 16 year old to envisage life in front of a huge crowd with a microphone and a Bible, a little bottle of oil. I don't know why the little bottle of oil was in my, was in my vision. Because there were thousands of people out there in the vision, but just a little bottle of oil. I know what I was going to do with the bottle of oil. <laughs> I was going to just spray it on everyone. And I didn't, I know. But I just saw oil. I saw a microphone. I saw a Bible. I saw a crowd. And I felt God called me to the ministry of preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I said yes. I did not realize at the time that I said yes to a journey. I said yes to a process. Even though in my mind I was saying yes to an outcome. My yes was to the outcome. The end result. But God received my yes. As a, as a yes to the process that would produce the outcome. Because you don't just make a preacher. By teaching the preacher some Bible lessons. A few hymns from the hymn book. And how to modulate his voice, throat vocals, diaphragm, breathing exercises, and all all the singers know what I'm talking about. You don't make a preacher like that. Preachers are not made by the quality of academic information that they consume. Because preachers must reach your heart. And a preacher cannot reach your heart unless he speaks from the heart. Y'all ain't going to hell. A preacher can't speak from his head and touch your heart. He has to speak from his heart. But he cannot speak from his heart if he hasn't experienced anything that put him on his face in need of God himself. And so he is saying yes to a journey. Not simply a destination. When you book your Uber. mm -hmm, They ask you if you want to accept the ride. All you put in was a destination. But when you say yes. I accept. What you are accepting is a journey. Mm. And God uses both dreams. And disasters to put us on a path and to keep us on the path because your path isn't my path. Let's make that quite clear because your destination isn't my destination and in an ultimate sense, we're all headed to the same place, right? But in time, we each have a predetermined purpose. God has plans for you and therefore he has a path that is unique to you and so we do make big mistakes of comparing ourselves among ourselves can I take a minute on that one do you mind thank you very much your silence is consent here we go social media is a disaster for many of your dreams Because it is a tool for comparing your average with someone else's Photoshop. Someone captures their best and projects it as their norm. You compare your normal with their edited, airbrushed, photoshopped version. And it is a way, it's a tool for people comparing themselves among themselves. And the Bible says when you compare yourselves among yourselves, you are not wise. Why are you not wise? Because your destiny isn't mine. Your path isn't mine. Your purpose isn't mine. If I am going to fulfill my destiny, I must find my path and I must love my path, and I must celebrate my path, and I must exalt my path, and I must decide that I will become the best that I can be at what I am called to do. And once you realize this is your thing, that nobody can compete with it, then you lose your sense of competition and find it easy to celebrate others. Because see, if you're winning at your thing, that's evidence that I can win at mine. But if I am deluded into thinking that we're all competing for the same spot, I'm missing something about my path. My journey. Come on now. My path. So God uses the dreams to put us on a path. Because sometimes success attracts attracts us. We're attracted to success. Some of you know what I'm talking about. You see images. Pictures and have success experiences and it's attractive to you. You know, it's not attractive to everyone, but if it's attractive to you, then God's using it to pull you onto a path. Mm -hmm. That's right. He's pulling you onto a path. Now, God also uses your struggles so that you are repelled. Your struggles, your struggles make you sick of certain things. Is that fair to say? Are y'all still with me? Do your best to concentrate. I'm going somewhere. And God uses your struggles to make you sick of certain things. So that you decide, I am never going to be here ever again. You decide, this is not for me. You decide, I'm better than this. I don't belong here. And God's using that to put you on a path. To put you on a path. The path is designed to correct and to perfect you. I said the path is designed to correct and perfect you. The path corrects you. Yes it does. The path corrects you. Uh, Just like the little business owner who says I'm going to start and I'm never going to fail. But you are going to fail. You're going to fall and you're going to fail forward. But the failure is teaching you what not to do next time. And it's showing you how you can do it different. It's correcting you. The path is correcting you. It's good if you're a preacher and you flop every now and again. You know what flop means? It means to drop the melon. I have dropped the melon. Look at me. I have dropped the melon several times. Big meetings, small meetings, you, you name it. Do you want dropping the melon? Dropping the melon is the irredeemable mess. When you drop a melon there's no just picking it up you're just gonna bend down and pick it up you're done It's just it's a complete irredeemable blatant mess i have dropped the melon preaching but it was good for me because it corrected me because somewhere in my pride i thought i didn't need to prepare that much Somewhere I got so impressed with how I was the last time, I thought I could get through it the second time. And had I got through it the second time, I would never have learned the value of putting in the hours of preparation, prayer, and everything else. See, sometimes failing is helpful. It's a correction. The path corrects you. The path perfects you. The path is shaping you. The path is molding you. The path is equipping you and the path is preparing you. And without the path, you never experience the prize or the promise or the outcome because the path is your process. So when I look at Joseph, what do I see? I see him on a journey. But the journey has its highs and its lows. It has its twists and its turns. It has its pains and its pleasures. It has its happiness and its hurts. And it's all his path. But his path was correcting him, his path was perfecting him, his path was molding him, it was shaping him into the person that fit the picture. See, there was a picture, his dream was a picture, but he was not yet the person in the picture. That makes sense? In the picture, there was this high and lofty, influential, credible position, but he was not yet that person. So the path. Made him into the person that would fit his destiny that suited his success. And that's exactly how it works for us. We on the journey. We're on the path. Now fasten your seatbelt. We've backed out of the gate. We on the runway. Thank you for bearing with me through my introduction. You're sweet. That's nice of you. I don't have much longer, so I'll have to fly right now. It's a short flight. Okay? It's East London to Croydon. This is all this is. It's not like a, a short flight. Are you ready? God does not call the qualified, He qualifies the called. Woo! God does not choose the perfect. God perfects the chosen. Which means he'll choose you first. As raw material. Not as some sparkling shining ring. But as a dusty dark rock. That he identifies as gold. But everyone else walks past. God will take you as you are. With your imperfection your inexperience, your issues, your lack of any qualification, and your notorious past. (laughs) I wish someone would shout amen. The reason why you don't have to worry about your notorious past is because every saint has a past. every sinner has a future through the gospel. So whoever despises your past is simply detracting from their own. God chooses first then he qualifies. He chooses first then he perfects. We said it on crossover You see your calling, brethren, how that not many mighty and noble and wise and strong after the flesh are called. But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. He has chosen the weak things to confound the mighty. He has chosen base things and things that are despised to bring to naught the things that are. Why? So that no flesh would glory in his presence. Now we read that out of 1 Corinthians crossover but listen very carefully god chooses people not based on their qualification but he not based on their qualification for the task but he chooses them based on a certain set of heart values certain set of heart values he chooses teachable people cuz if you're not teachable he can't qualify or perfect you come on now He teaches, he chooses humble people, people that are humble enough to become a child and accept that no matter how much of a giant I am in my world, in this world, I have to come in as a child and I have to be ready to be taught and to be nurtured and to be supported. And he, he he uses people who fundamentally know that if it hadn't been the Lord on my side, I could not have survived to tell the tale. He uses people who know that without him they can do nothing. People that will give the credit back to God, the glory back to God, the honor back to God. People who are not going to superimpose an, an ulterior motive Come on now, not going to superimpose an ulterior motive on a divine opportunity and they're going to remember that this is a God thing. It's not a me thing, it's not an ego trip, it's a God thing. God looks for people like that and he typically is choosing people who has excluded themselves already. Going there now, you've already excluded yourself. You've already ruled yourself out. You've already counted yourself out. Why? Because of something you think you know that no one else knows that only God knows. And so you've then excluded yourself. You're not worthy. You're not qualified. You're not fit. You're not the right person for the job. And I've seen people literally hating on themselves. They're not tall enough. They're not short enough. They're they're too big. They're too old. They're too young. They're the wrong shape. They're the wrong gender. Listen to me. You are the right color. You are the right gender. You are the right age. You are the right size. You are the right person for what God has predetermined in your life. You are perfectly made for the prize. Yeah. Woo! I'm almost where I'm going today. So I want to I share this with you. I want to share this with you. Because there's so much more that I could say, but I want to share this with you on this first Sunday. God told me once, he said, son, your dream is too small. I'll never forget it because of where I was when he said it. Are you ready? Most people put on glasses to see the text. I put them on to see you. Now watch this. <laughs> <laughs> he, said, he, said, he said, son, your dream is too small. I'll never forget it because I was, I was at the Vatican City in Rome. I was in the Vatican City in Rome, and I was looking up at the walls of the Vatican City, and the walls were so high. Any of you ever been there? You know, just the walls are so high. And it dawned upon me that this was the headquarters of a global, international, and generational church movement. That had branches and expressions in every country of the world. Listen to me. In every village and hamlet, in every borough and community, this thing had an expression. It had expression in rich countries and poor countries, it had transcended language barriers and it had transcended generational barriers because when i went into uh uh saint peter's basilica and was looking at all of the architecture here's what i noticed i noticed the young catholics i never thought there were such a thing but i noticed these young guys with zeal walking in getting down on their knees doing all of the bits and pieces and going on to the next thing and kissing this and it was just operate And I realized they definitely weren't English because I des- definitely haven't seen that anywhere in the UK. But I looked up at the walls, all the history. God said to me, son, your dream is too small. Because here I was dreaming of finding a disused warehouse rat-infested, pigeon graveyard <laughs> that I could renovate with some drywalls, false ceiling, cheap lights, knock up a little stage, fling carpet on the floor, get some second-hand chairs off of eBay, and then say, wow, look at us, look at us! we got our own building, oh, praise God! me with my myopic, myopic idea. And yet here were other people thinking about thousands of years to come. Thinking about transcending generational cultural language barriers. Thinking about finding expression in every corner of every nation. And then thinking whether you think the theology is warped or not. It's not the point I'm making. The point I'm making is that the whole movement started with 12 guys. Christianity started with 12 guys following one man. 12 people with enough vision. With a big dream, could change the world and build something so huge. That was just the Catholic, right? And look at the Protestant side of things. God said, Son, your dream is too small. Your dream is too small. And then I realized that small dreams are probably emanating from the ego. That God. Only deals in big dreams because he's God. That if your dream is doable, it's not God. If you can do what you're dreaming, it's not God. It's your ego. Did I say it loud enough? Sometimes you say it loud, people can't hear you. So let me say it quiet. If you can do what you're dreaming, it's not God. You find me anywhere in the Bible where God gives people possible missions. Hello Abraham, I know you're 75 years old and your wife is about 10 years younger. She's past her flower. And you brother, you look like a potato (laughs) with two matchsticks coming out as legs. you are going to be the father of many 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 nations you're going to have more kids than you can count Abraham and Sarah does that sound like mission possible when Abraham said yes he was saying yes to the to what was only possible with God uh moses you're a fugitive and you are wanted go to pharaoh and tell him to let my people go excuse me <laughs> excuse me sir <laughs> okay. as soon as i step foot within the perimeter i am arrested i am executed with it. I've been on the run for 40 years. Go to Pharaoh. Tell him, thus saith the Lord. And if he questions you, put out the rod. Now, check this you got a whole army around Pharaoh. You got all of his henchmen. You got every kind of a sword, every kind of a weapon. Moses is going to come out of the wilderness with his barefoot. Come. I was going to give you a Caribbean run. Come now. Says, God said, what's in your hand, Moses? That's what you're going with. Yes. Gideon, you're going to deliver Israel. There's one man. You're going to deliver Israel. People are with you or too many. Tell them to go home. You mean we will make it worse? Yes, let's make it worse. Let's just tell God. People not drinking properly, tell them to go home. have no table manners, tell them to go God says, perfect. I need the mission to be so impossible for you by yourself that it forces you to look to me. And it forces you to find other people with crazy faith. And it cuts off of your life, doubters. Because what you've embarked on is the mission impossible, which is really mission impossible. So, I have a dream. Yeah, I have a dream now, it's not a small one. Actually, it's crazy. <laughs> I have a dream, this little church here, this little I can community thing got going on. That it will have an expression in every facet of this city called London. To start with. There won't be a borough. There won't even be a community that don't know about us. Because we'll be a lifeline will be the outreach center, will be the, will be the hub. I have this dream that we can raise up future church leaders. I have this dream that the church could get out of competing for the same pool of already saved, sanctified, and fully stagnated believers. And instead, actually win souls like Jesus said was supposed to do, and bring tens of thousands of new people into the kingdom of God. But then I says, God, how are we going to do that? Where are the preachers going to come from? Where are the teachers? Where are the soul winners going to come from? How are we going to find enough people to do songs? We just about get enough people to do songs. Isn't that right? It's a struggle, right? Where are we going to find it? And that's when it hit me when God showed me that He's coming for you this year. He's coming for you. Yeah, He's coming for you. Some of you are actually going to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. Me? Yeah, you. Some of you are going to become outstanding soul winners. Did you know that? Me? Yes, you. Some of you are going to teach classes. Some of you are going to administrate organizations. Some of you are going to lead on so many different levels. And the ones I'm talking to are the ones who feel the least qualified and the most excluded. The ones who feel the least experienced and the ones who are battling with a past that seems to be so very present. God said to me, I'm ready to go into the highways, the byways, and the hedges. And I am going to call the hope, the maimed, and the blind. I'm going to call the people that weren't invited to the wedding, because the people who were didn't show. <clears throat> God said, son, if you trust me, you're going to open your eyes, and there'll be more preachers than you can count. There'll be more teachers, there'll be more community organizers, chaplains, counselors. There'll be more than you can possibly count because I am not calling the qualified, I'm qualifying. I am not choosing the perfect. I am perfecting the chosen. I am putting everyone on the pathway of purpose. Let it be my dreams that pull me. I don't want a disaster to push me. I want a dream to pull me. So I am pulled by the dream. It is so huge. Actually, I only told you a little bit of it, but it's such a big dream. And that's what makes me so convinced that it's God. Because I can't do it without God. And I can't do it without others who have enough crazy faith to stand with me. So I'm going to ask a few people to stand up in a moment. Not everyone. I don't need everyone to stand up. And I'll keep my eyes closed so I don't have to deal with you in my heart. (laughs) So I'm a work in progress. And I just, I don't want to have to deal with you in my heart. You've been listening to a live sermon at ICANN Community Church. We hope that you feel inspired, informed, and empowered to take your life to the next level. We want to build a relationship with you, whether you attend ICC or not. Of course, we would love for you to visit, or even to join. And if that's not possible, we can still stay in touch. Go to our website at www iCanCommunityChurch.com and subscribe to our mailing list for updates on special events which may be coming to an area near you. Until next time, this is Bishop Wayne Malcolm saying God bless you.